In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love a lot of the language in the Lutheran liturgy. Um, If you've paid attention over the years, you know that it changes sometimes. It changes from decade to decade, especially when we go from the Lutheran hymnal to the Lutheran book of worship to the evangelical book of, what do we even call our red one? Evangelical worship, no, the red book. It just changes from book to book to book. It changes from season to season to season. So the Advent liturgy is different from the Pentecost season liturgy and that kind of thing. But it's rich and full in ways that we can express our praise and adoration to God. And it's rich and full in helping us understand God's invitation for us to live more fully into God's reign. So here's an example of what I mean. The proper preface that I say at the altar sometimes says, it is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O God. I like that. Then sometimes we say it this way, like we will today. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, O God. So one change is the introduction of the idea that thanksgiving and praise is a duty. And I don't think that's so bad. It just helps us remember that it is just something that we need to do. And it helps us grow in our gratitude and our love for God. So it's quite an interesting concept. But then, if you notice the difference between those two versions, the word salutary is replaced. But then it appears later on in the Eucharistic prayer, remembering, therefore, his salutary command. So the command was that Jesus said we ought to, we should, we must, as part of our duty, gather around this table so that we can come together as a community of faith and be fed for all the things that God is leading us and guiding us to in the world out there. But anyway, I'm making this much longer than I probably should. I'm intrigued by the word salutary. So it's not a word we use every day, but is it a word that we understand? I mean, how do you think of the word salutary? Um, Beneficial, profitable, productive, helpful, valuable, worthwhile, relevant, timely, Those are all the definitions. But there's an obscure meaning of salutary that might be helpful for us to consider today, especially considering the gospel lesson. It can mean healthy or health-giving. It's kind of like in Italian when people say, salute. It's like, to your health. And it's kind of the same thing. Let's see how the definition relates to the gospel reading this morning. It's a very familiar story, but it also contains some enigmas and puzzles. 
And one of them is this, that when the single leper, the Samaritan, comes back and thanks Jesus, he says to him, your faith has made you well. Now, on the face of it, that's rather odd because all the other lepers, too, had already been healed and they did not come back to give thanks. Could it be that when Jesus says, your faith has made you well to this one, he's talking about a different dimension of wellness, not physical, but spiritual, emotional, and psychological. Whatever we may want to call this wellness, it appears to be related to the man's gratitude. The others have been healed physically. They've been restored to their place in society, and all was well for them. But without gratitude, they remain somehow not whole, not fully healthy. John Henry Jowett, a 20th century English preacher, is known for a metaphor about healthfulness and giving thanks. He remarked that gratitude is three things. It's a vaccine, it's an antitoxin, and it's an antiseptic. So let's look at that and see if it makes some sense. Can gratitude be a vaccine? A vaccine is a substance that prevents the invasion of disease. So it is that gratitude vaccinates us against various diseases, maybe like selfishness or greed or materialism or just plain sourness. Over the years, especially in my early days when I was a younger pastor, I worked with a lot of youth groups and a lot of teenagers, and they taught me to appreciate the comic strip written by Jerry Scott and Jim Borgman called Zitz. It's about the life of a 15-year-old aspiring rock musician, Jeremy Duncan, who's riddled with boredom and with parents that just don't understand anything. So in one strip, which I had in several youth group rooms, um, it had Jeremy sitting at the kitchen table, and his mother comes into the kitchen all happy and singing, Good morning, Jeremy. And then he says, What's good about it? You're always so gloomy in the morning, she says. Maybe you'd feel better if you tried to look on the bright side of things for a change. So Jeremy reflects for a moment, and then with all the sarcasm of a teenage boy, he says, golly, why didn't I think of that? I can solve all my problems just by having happy thoughts. I see that the sun rose on schedule again. Ah, good old oxygen. Don't you just love how paint sticks to the walls all by itself? And then, waltzing out the front door, he says to his mother, Well, I'm off to take advantage of another day of free, taxpayer-supported public education. Lucky me. Then he shuts the door behind him. 
and this phony smile on his face disappeared. And then he mutters, crud, I do feel better. (laughs) And so maybe it can be the same with us. You know it's true, right? When we give thanks, when we cultivate gratitude, we do feel better. And the gratitude vaccinates us against all kind of spiritual malaise. Then Jowett says that gratitude is an antitoxin. That is, not only does it prevent spiritual disease, but it combats the poisons that sometimes infect our hearts. You know Viktor Frankl? a brilliant psychiatrist who survived several years in a Nazi concentration camp. Then he emerged with spiritual health that grew into a wonderful life of caring for others. He wrote this, and it's really powerful to me. I read it periodically, so see if it's powerful for you. He said, one day, a few days after the liberation, I walked through the country past flowering meadows for miles and miles toward the market town near the camp. Larks rose to the sky, and I could hear their joyous song. There was no one to be seen for miles around. There was nothing but the wide earth and the sky and the lark's jubilation and the freedom of space. I stopped, I looked around, and looked up to the sky, and then I went down on my knees. At that moment, there was very little I knew of myself or of the world. I had but one sentence in mind, always the same. I called to the Lord from my narrow prison, and he answered me in the freedom of space. How long I knelt there and repeated this sentence, memory can no longer recall. But I know that on that day, in that hour, my new life started. Step for step, I progressed until I again became a human being. So here's Frankel, filled with pain, bitterness, and grief from his imprisonment, from losing most of his family, discovering on that day that his door to a new life was to be able to look at the world around him because of a sense of gratitude for his creator. It was gratitude that enabled him to become a human being once again. And I think maybe that's what happened with that one leper that came back to say thank you to Jesus After a life of isolation and illness and despair, he steps through that door of gratitude. And that is what made him completely well. And then Jowett says that gratitude is an antiseptic, which is something that cleanses. And by that, I think he means that when we are troubled, when things aren't going right, When tragedy strikes, a sense of gratitude can help us keep our balance and our sense of wholeness. Maybe some of you know Jan Karen's novels. 
Um, there's a series called The Mitford Years, and there's a character in them called Father Tim. He's the rector of Lord's Chapel. And one in, the, in one of the novels, in her fourth one, he's reflecting on giving thanks and blessings. And he got in kind of in a ritual, you know, in his own prayer life. He prayed regularly, but it was the same set of prayers all the time. And he'd go through this list of gratitude so quickly. And then in his prayer one day, he got this thought, what if... God started taking away from him the things that he was not grateful for or that he took for granted. And he began to think, well, which one of our limbs and faculties would be left? Would I still have my hands and my mind? And what about those loved ones in my life? If God were to take from me all those persons and things for which I have not given thanks, who or what would be left of me? So Father Tim, in this novel, begins to start making his own list of things that he's grateful for. He starts with his dog, Barnabas, but that's a whole other part of the story. But it gets him away from the lists that we sometimes create for ourselves, and it opens up our mind and heart to be thinking about other things and other people for which we ought to be grateful. There's so much beauty in this world, so many decent people, so many trials and tribulations that make us stronger and teach us so much that perhaps we could be a little more grateful for. And there's fun. When's the last time you thanked God for having a good time with good friends? Maybe if we started saying thanks to God for a vast array of blessings, we'll find that gratitude really is an antiseptic, cleansing our heart and soul and making us whole again. It is indeed right and salutary, healthful, life-giving, beneficial healing to give thanks and praise to God. Indeed, one could hope for nothing better than a truly thankful and grateful heart. Perhaps we could ask for that gift in the words of George Herbert, who said this, Thou that hast given so much to me, give me one more thing, a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleaseth me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. Amen.